0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay and the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Good evening and welcome to episode 7 of The Finsider Perspective. I'm Kevin Nogle, your host for the show and the managing editor of TheFinsider.com. This is episode 7. However, if you look back through the archives, there is no episode 6 because apparently episode 6 just never bothered to upload. So we we, kind of just missed a week that I didn't realize we had missed until uh, late Tuesday when I started preparing to record this. And suddenly there was no show to go back to and figure out what I had and hadn't done. So, yeah, hopefully this one actually uploads and you guys can actually hear this uh, episode. So basically this show is just a 15 to 20 minute stream of consciousness type of therapy session. Uh, for me and hopefully for you guys. And hopefully you guys enjoy listening to it. I know it's a little bit different than like the Jake and Josh Finsider radio show and the blowhole and how those guys go back and forth. And for me, this is just me rambling on and giving you some of my thoughts. Some of them are things that maybe I post about on the site. Some of them are things that maybe they just aren't fully fleshed out and they're just thoughts. It's not enough to me for me to actually put together a full, uh, full article, but enough for me to talk about and see what uh, see what comes of it. So this week, obviously the Dolphins are heading into Week 18, out of the playoffs. Uh, they they have the potential to get a winning record, which I think is a huge thing for this team. This is a team that obviously has not known how to win for many, many years now through many coaching staffs, through many iterations of players, they, they get one winning season and then you don't see them back it up and start taking that next step forward. And sure, 10 and six last year to potentially nine and eight this year is not really taking a giant step forward, but the Dolphins haven't had back-to-back winning seasons since 2003. So you're looking at a team that doesn't know how to do this, doesn't know how to put together back-to-back winning seasons. So if they can pull that off on Sunday, I think that's a huge step for them in developing as a team. I don't know what this offseason is going to bring, and we'll talk about what's next for the Dolphins later on in the show tonight. But I think that There's a lot to play for still this weekend, even if it's just for a winning record and for pride. Uh, Obviously, the Patriots are coming in and have an opportunity to win the AFC East. Miami has an opportunity to sweep New England this season. So it's something that definitely should be played for and should give Miami a a motivation to come up with the win, but it it's disappointing that the team isn't making the playoffs this year. But when we look back at it, this team was 1 in 7 and they had lost 7 straight games and it looked like the the bottom was falling out, the the team was going to have to go into another rebuild and start over. And here we are talking about the fact that they can have a winning season, they were in the playoffs until week 17, they, they, they did something that really no one expected after week eight. So yeah, the, the result is disappointing. I I've seen Twitter has started to blow up again, and there's a lot of people calling for firing everybody. And that the, the idea of trading for Deshaun Watson is back on the table and all this stuff. And, It's way too early, one, in the offseason to be thinking about that, and two, it was one loss after seven straight wins. So it's funny how quickly the, the conversation around the Dolphins changes. When it was last week, it was, hey, this is a team that is hot, it's red hot, it's going to show this confidence and get on the field and dominate and They run up against the team that is the number one seed in the AFC right now, potentially could be the home field advantage team through the playoffs, and is getting back their best player in Derrick Henry. They run into that team, and sure, they didn't have Henry, but that team knows how to win. That team has been doing good things all year. They've had some down weeks, obviously, but so have the Chiefs, so have just about everybody, except maybe other than week one, the Packers. I mean, the, 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 Dolphins ran into a team that looks like they are the top team in the AFC right now. Uh, the chiefs are obviously going to push in the playoffs and whether it's going through Arrowhead or going through uh, Nissan stadium in Tennessee, one of those two teams I think are the best team in the AFC. So I'm disappointed. I, I, Absolutely, the Dolphins should have come out and played better. They, they, There's talk about they didn't game plan for the weather. They didn't change the game plan at all, and that's unacceptable if that's true. But I think they just thought that it won't bother us. We can do what we want to do. And when you're a team that's built on the short pass opening up the long play – you probably don't think that the weather's going to have that much of an impact because the short pass should still be there. But obviously it was having an impact. I think that I, Tua had a bad day. I'm not I'm not making excuses for him. And I know people said it on Twitter that I was trying to find excuses for him. I'm, I'm not trying to, to make excuses for Tua, but clearly the weather impacted him. The Titans handled it better. I, I'm not doubting that. I'm not saying that Tua shouldn't or that... Tua was impacted by the weather more than Tannehill was. I'm just saying that the weather impacted Tua and the Dolphins didn't make an adjustment. And they couldn't get the running game going. They, I, The fact that they were throwing deep was great. That's something we haven't seen all year. It was just an odd choice of when to decide to do it. In this pouring rain and the drops... Bad passes, fumbles, just, it was just a sloppy game from Miami and three points is not going to get it done. When you, when you have a game like that, three points is not going to do it. So yeah, it's disappointing. It's, it's, it's sad that the dolphins are not in the playoffs this year. They could have been there. They could have at least made it to week 18 with a pl- win in your end game, and they just they couldn't do it. And one in seven is too hard of a comeback, I think, for the season. But they definitely were the story there for a little while. That they were making a name for themselves despite the one in seven start. So, I think that you you have a have a growth potential for this team. I know it looks bleak right now. There's obviously a lot of holes that need to be fixed and a lot of holes that need to be answered for decisions made. Why are, why was this player playing there? Uh, it, so th- th- there's things that need to be fixed this off season, but this off season could be a huge one for the Dolphins. They don't have the multiple first round picks like they've had in the past couple years and have next year, but they do have a ton of cap space. So I would absolutely expect and I'm probably getting into the what's next uh, piece of this but I absolutely expect for the Dolphins this offseason to use that cap money to go beef up this offensive line let's get some starters in there maybe it's not a blockbuster hundred million dollars to a pro bowl all pro offensive tackle type but it's going to be somebody who is a quality starter who can come in, plug in, and solidify this offensive line. Because that's obviously where Miami has to focus right now. And it's sad to say that because obviously they have used, going all the way back to Jake Long, they have used so many first-round picks or early-round picks on offensive linemen. And Jake Long was an amazing left tackle until his body broke down. Mike Pouncey was an amazing center until his body started breaking down the rest of the picks the Dolphins have had there's some good quality players in there and I I still think that some of these guys that are on the offensive line this year are going to be able to develop into somebody better but they've got to get the answer right now It, it cannot be any longer growth and development and hope that this offensive line gets there one day It's got to be fix it, fix it now, because if you don't fix it and fix it now, you're going to start the, well, Tannehill's, or I'm sorry, slip of the tongue there, Tua's fine, but he could be better, but we don't know, and it's going to be the Tannehill saga with Tua. I don't think the Dolphins move on from Tua this offseason. I know that there's already talk about it, and like I said, you have the uh, Deshaun Watson trade talk coming back up. You have people talking about Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or any of these type of guys that may be on the market and maybe a band-aid few year starter. I, I, I understand the appeal there. I just, I don't think that they're going to do it. I think that they're going to stick with Tua. They have their game plan. They're going to try to grow the team around him. If you can get that offensive line built, you probably, I I think that they end up drafting a running back. I'm not saying they won't, but if you could get that offensive line built with, uh, with guys like, uh, miles Gaskin and Phillip Lindsay and Duke Johnson, you have a core right there that could be good. I'm not saying they're going to be. And like I said, I think they draft a running back, but you have a core there that if you beef up the offensive line, maybe that core is good enough. This is not a run, run, run league anymore. You need run to be able to open up the passing game. So if you have the ability to get that offensive line into a mauling open up holes type offensive line, maybe you don't need Najee Harris. I mean, I absolutely would have loved Najee Harris, but Maybe you don't. So I think they do. I think they go and draft a running back, but I think that the number one focus has to be the offensive line. The defense is strong. I I know that there are people out there that are talking about, hey, the defense is not as good as we think it is. I think it is. I think they are tired. I think that they have spent the entire year trying to hide the weaknesses of the offense. So I think that you see a a defense that just is worn down and they got better once, once they got into this seven game winning streak, they definitely figured out some things and they went back to the amoeba defense a lot more, but this past week against the Titans, you can't use the amoeba defense and get after the quarterback when you're down by 20 points and all they're doing is running it down your throat. You lose that strength. So, They've got to get the offense fixed. That's, that's got to be the number one priority. Offensive line has got to be the number one priority of that number one priority. And after that, you start to fill in running back. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a wide receiver in there somewhere. Uh, it, it would fill out a starting lineup of Jalen Waddell and Devontae Parker, assuming Parker is back. Obviously, the Will Fuller experiment failed. So you you have the ability to put another rookie in there and keep building the talent on the outside. So that way Miami is continuing to put weapons around to uh, get him the offensive line to protect him and then see what he is. I think that's probably about what this off season is. I, I think that there's probably going to be some coaching changes. And I know that since Brian Flores has been here, it seems like every year we're learning new assistant coaches left, right, and center. I think you're going to see that again this year. I just, I think the offensive coordinator position has to be solidified. I don't have a problem with the defensive coordinator and the defensive coaches staying. If you want to say that we need a change there, Sure, I I guess Um, I don't. I don't think that Boyer has to go anywhere. I think that you, if you want to keep both offensive coordinators and you want that that continuity, I can understand it. But there's got to be some sort of clarity on exactly what is the role for each. And what is the identity of this offense? Because right now, I don't think they have one. I don't know if it's supposed to be a run-pass option offense. Is it supposed to be a bubble screen in place of the running game and then opening it up to play-action-pass? I I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the identity of the Dolphins offense is supposed to be. And until that's identified or decided... I don't know what the offense can do. So I think that's where Miami needs to focus. They've got to get an identity on offense. They've got to get an offensive line that can block. And that's how you see Miami take the next step forward, which next year is probably once again, nine and eight, 10 and seven, trying to fight their way into the playoffs. You got to make the wild card. I think, I, I, I think it's, Kind of like in basketball where you've got to make the first round, you lose in the first round, then you win in the first round, you lose in the second round, and you you grow from that. And I think that's where the Dolphins are right now. They are that team that is right on the outside looking into the playoffs. They've got to make the playoffs. They've got to be a wild card. They can, they can fight for the AFC East. I don't have an I don't have any reason why they couldn't, but they've got to make the wild card. Prove themselves as hey we belong here. Maybe go in and lose the wild card game. I'm, I'm not saying that they're going to make a run next year deep, but this team needs to be one that is solely focused on get that wild card so that we get that postseason berth and we can check that off and stop this streak of never making the playoffs. And then worry about hey can we end this 20 year streak since we've won a playoff game. So, I think that's where Miami goes next. um I was gonna run through the rookies real quick, particularly the uh the the drafted rookies just going into the final game of the season where we stand. Jalen Waddle obviously is a great, great selection. Uh, I think that he he's obviously going to break the record for most receptions in a season. he needs two to tie Anquan Bolden, he'll get those. I'm sure. I'm sure they will feed him very early in the game to get that knocked out and get that out of the way. Uh, it is a 17 game season, so you could put an asterisk on it, but at the same time, Waddle missed a game, so he'll still only do it in 16 games. So I I think you'll be fine with him as your number one receiver next year. Jalen Phillips obviously looks like a really, really good pass rusher. He's coming on later in the season, uh, he'll continue to grow next year. He'll add more to his repertoire, and we'll see him be something special. Javon Holland, I know that we've talked about him on here, and I know that I've talked about him on Twitter and on the site, that I absolutely love that guy. I think that that is probably the best pick out of the top or out of Miami's draft, a second-round pick that plays like a freaking star safety. Um he He's special. Uh, Eichenberg, I think, is doing fine at left tackle. Yes, it's part of the offensive line mess, but I think he's growing into that position. I think he probably stays there next year unless Miami signs somebody huge. But remember, left tackle is every other team's right tackle because Tua is the only left handed quarterback. So you're looking at bringing in somebody to solidify the blind side which is the right tackle position in Miami's offense. so you, you're looking at replacing Jesse Davis there. so Liam Eichenberg I think is fine he'll he'll grow some more again, we need to be past the growth we need to be into playing. But I think Eichenberg will be fine. Uh, Hunter Long, obviously, we didn't see a lot of him. I think he'll continue to grow. We'll see more. And then uh, Larnell Coleman and Jared Doakes, the two seventh-round picks, both practice squad all season. They'll probably float right on that ro- roster bubble next summer, and we'll see what happens with them. But I think Miami's rookie class with Waddle, Phillips, Holland, even Eichenberg—that th- those four are all NFL starters. That's a great class. Uh, Hunter Long is somebody who can develop into something special, especially if he gets more chances. Um, obviously, the question becomes Mike Gesicki. I think I think the Dolphins do resign Mike Gesicki, but I think that you uh, you have a, an opportunity there for Hunter Long and Gesicki to become a nice tandem. He just needs more time to develop. So last week I started the first mailbag portion of the of the show. Obviously, again, there was no show because it didn't upload. So I'm going to go back and pick up a couple of those questions and then see if there are anything else uh, out there on Twitter for this week. Uh, if you want to ask me something to come up during the show, just hit me up on Twitter. All you got to do is put in the hashtag Ask Anytime you have a question, just put it in there. And then on Wednesday night, as I get ready to record this, I will go through Twitter and pull out some of them. Uh, First one is from Paul Blaylock. He asked this last week uh, with such obvious flaws in the O-line. Should a fan root for win out knowing they can't go far in the playoffs or would it be better to lose and secure a better draft position? Obviously, at this point, the playoffs are out of the question. But given where that question was asked last week, it makes sense. Um, I'm always going to be somebody who wrote, roots for wins. I don't, I don't like playing the, oh, I want a loss because it helps me in the draft. I want other teams to lose, especially given that the uh, the, the first-round pick the Dolphins don't have. So I'm going to always root for the San Francisco 49ers to lose unless it absolutely helps them in the playoff chances. So my, my, my number one answer is always you root for your team to win. I, I, I'm not somebody, and I know that there are people out there who have argued with me over it for years, uh, going all the way back to, this is like, I think this is my 11th season running the site. So even before that, the last 12, 13 seasons, when I was just a, uh, fan post writer on the site, I think that everybody, or I've had arguments with people over that, but I've always been somebody you root for your team to win. I don't care. I don't care if you are, the Jets and Jaguars at the bottom of the league trying to fight out for the number one pick. If you are a fan of that team, you root for them to win and you you, you will get the draft pick that you were supposed to get somehow, some way. Yes. Maybe the number one pick is the star quarterback, but maybe the number two pick is the star quarterback. We've seen it all the time. Uh, You you never can tell which quarterback is actually going to be the one that pans out. So, I'm always going to root for a win. So in that case, looking back at last week, yep. I root for win out this week, I'm again, rooting for a win. Um, yes, it doesn't affect the first round pick this year, because like I said, we have the San Francisco 49ers pick while the Philadelphia Eagles have the dolphins pick, but it helps second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. So I, I, I don't really care. I'm always going to root for a win. I, don't like it when the Dolphins lose, and then it uh, it it bothers me when they lose. I'm always going to root for a win. Uh, Dario Reese asked, what exactly is Matt Collins? He makes a huge play, disappears for a few weeks, then reemerges with another big play. Why isn't he utilized more? I think that's exactly what he is. He is a good depth wide receiver, and when you have Jalen Waddell and Devontae Parker and Mike Gosicki being shut down, he's somebody who can come in there and make some big plays. But he's not the guy that you're relying on. He's not that top-tier wide receiver. Uh, Albert Wilson is basically in that same situation. I think Albert Wilson is a little bit ahead of Hollins, but I think that those are your depth guys that you have to have. Every team needs those guys who can step up when somebody else is being double-covered or is having an off game but he's not somebody who's going to be a huge, uh, addition to the team. And then my last question, I'm sorry. I have two more questions from last week. Uh, why is Jesse Davis still at right tackle from Eric Serprinant? I hope I said that correctly, uh, at Sox fan 70, if you want to find him. Uh, and by the way, to go back, Dario Reese is Dario underscore Reese. And Paul Blaylock is JB dad 13. So, uh, Eric asks, why is Jesse Davis still at right tackle? And obviously I think everybody has seen it. Davis is probably the weakest of the five on the offensive line, but I just think that that is a matter of who else is going to be there. Uh, If you pull Jesse Davis out, your choices are really Solomon Kinley, Greg Manx, or Robert Jones. And Manx is a center. Jones is a undrafted free agent guard and Kinley is the question mark. I think the Dolphins look at Kinley straight as a guard. Could he be kicked out to tackle? He probably could, but I think they look at him as a guard. I think he is somebody who probably challenges Austin Jackson next year for that starting guard position. Maybe Jackson gets kicked back out to right tackle, but I think that Kinley strength. And I don't know why Kinley has not played this year, why he has not been inserted into the offensive line more. I think he is somebody who could absolutely be a mauler who, especially in the run game, but he just, he, he's not, he's not asked to do that. So I don't know, but I just think that the reason Davis is out there is because who else would it be there? There isn't an answer. Uh, and finally from last week, Brian Moore, uh, be more creative and more has an E on the end, two O's and an E. Uh, why haven't we locked up Ogba yet? Pass rushers are hard to find. He is second year of a two-year deal. Uh, I think that it's just a matter of the Dolphins wanted to get through the year. I think that's what it is. They, they have some guys, Ogba, Gasicki, who need contracts, and I think you'll see them after the season is over get through that week or whatever that the coaches take to look through all the tape and regrade everybody. And then I think you'll see it. Deadlines drive action, especially in the NFL. You don't see deals get done unless there is a reason for them to get done. If Miami needed to create a cap space this year, maybe that would force them to create a re-signing for one of those guys. But I think it's just a matter of you'll see them get signed January, February headed towards March as we're getting closer to the uh, franchise tag and the start of free agency uh, looking to this week's. And I know this is a long um, episode, so I'm not going to say your name cause it's Ignashka. I think uh, what role does Dan Marino serve on the team? Because he liked and wanted Justin Herbert and no one listened to him. What is the point of having him as an, as a consultant? I think that's exactly what it is. First off, it's a PR thing that, Hey, you can trot Dan Marino out there. And that's a huge thing. Dan Marino is obviously a PR poll. And then he's a consultant. What does a consultant do? He gives an opinion. He says, this is what I like. And then you choose whether or not to listen to him. You don't have to take the advice of a consultant and, I think that's exactly what Marino does. Hey, if he wanted Justin Herbert, great. But I don't think that there's any reason that... I I know everybody loves this, oh, Herbert was the right choice over Tua, but that's like saying that Matt Ryan was the right choice over Jake Long at this point. Herbert wasn't really ever in the conversation when the only person out there who really said Herbert was the right choice was Mike Tannenbaum. And if the Dolphins had listened to Mike Tannenbaum, the fan base would have been up in arms because Tannenbaum had just failed with the Dolphins. So I I don't, I I, I get it. Herbert looks great. Not arguing that, but having 2020 hindsight is a thing. And yep. Matt Ryan was probably the right choice over Jake Long, but at the time Jake Long and first Matt Ryan wasn't even the debate. Matt Ryan wasn't even seen as a top one pick. It was Jake Long or Chris Long was the debate. And the Falcons taking Ryan at three was seen as a reach. And it goes back to, you never know what the first pick is going to be. Draft, drafting is not a sure thing ever. You have a 50-50 shot on just about everybody. So you could, you could say that the Dolphins should have taken Herbert. I liked Herbert coming out, but the argument was always, oh, that's just another Tannehill. Herbert's just another Tannehill. Now we have Tua in position and people are seeing him as another Tannehill. So I don't know. I I don't know. I think that the debate was honestly, do you take Tua? And Tua was the number one overall pick until his hip injury. So yes, you take Tua that's the guy you've liked for two years. You take him. Uh, so back to the question, Marino's, um, role it's, it's PR and it's a opportunity for him to consult. It's an opportunity for them to be able to put him into the quarterback room and be able to leverage him to help the quarterbacks. But I think we've all heard the stories of the great hitters, whether it's Barry Bonds or um, I can't think of whom whom else it's been, uh, who else it's been tagged to, but that those guys that could read the spin of the ball and see the seams, that then try to teach others to hit like them and can't understand why the person doesn't see what they're saying, and it just goes to when you are Marino, you are a special, special quarterback it's not something that everybody has so you can't exactly expect everybody to learn exactly what marino saw and does because it's a god-given talent not a learned trait can they pick up things of course but it's not going to be something that they can completely and totally mimic either so, okay, we are about 10 minutes over my allotted time. So, thank you for sticking with me if you have made it all the way here to the end. I didn't plan on going this long, but wanted to make sure we talked about some of the things, make sure we talked about some of what's next for the dolphins, and then pick up those questions from last week that I answered and nobody ever heard the answer to. So thank you all for joining me. I'm Kevin Nogle, the managing editor of thefinsider.com and your host for the Finsider Perspective. Make sure you give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. So that way you can pick up the next episode of this show, as well as the episodes of the Blowhole and the Finsider Radio Jake and Josh show. Thank you all. And hopefully next week we are talking about the dolphins as a winning franchise for the 2021 season. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com.